The autism puzzle piece. It has been a source of support for many. And now in the autism community, there are a lot of people that are questioning the autism puzzle piece and and what it means. And today I had the absolute honor of interviewing Thomas McKean. He is an autistic adult and he was instrumental in helping to develop the autism puzzle piece along with a handful of others. And so we really break down what the puzzle piece is meant to represent. Thomas has done amazing work in the field by supporting parents, by supporting others, by presenting at conferences internationally and nationally, and was even on Oprah. He's written books, and he is an absolute bright spot in the field. He has an amazing quote that is, when you support the parent, you support the child. Thank you, Thomas, for being on episode 90 of the Autism Outreach Podcast, and you are all in for a treat. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Thank you so much for joining us on episode 90. Wow, episode 90. We have a stellar episode for you today. Today, we have with us Thomas McKean. Thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us. It's so nice to have you on. Oh, it's good to be here. And we're actually close. You're you're in Ohio, too. And um, people probably know a lot about your work, but may not know your name or kind of your journey and um, significance with the autism community and world is, is major. And you've been on Oprah and so many things. I was just pouring over your bio and um, I'm excited for our listeners to to learn about your journey. So can, can you tell us a little bit, you know, about growing up and, you know, you are have the diagnosis of autism and, and just I know I'll ask a lot of questions about all the amazing work that you've done in the community. But can you tell us a little bit about you and kind of your journey? Uh, well, uh, I was, I was, uh, I'm 50 some years old, you can tell by the gray hair. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I was diagnosed in, uh, what, 79 autism was completely different then. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that back then they were, uh, still putting you in the institutions. And so I was, uh, I was there for what, three years or so and uh, managed to find my way out and uh, later looking for my own answers I kind of got involved with uh, you know advocacy and um, Mm -hmm. the ASA board of directors and conferences and uh, you know consulting and things like that and it's kind of it's taken me places I never thought I'd go I, my my plan was to be a veterinarian when I grew oh. up. That's that's what I wanted to do. That's not how it turned out, though. Yeah. My neighbor is a veterinarian. Yeah, it's a lot of schooling. People don't realize, I think, like how much schooling that's really intense, you know. So you so then you were able to travel and do talks at conferences. And is that was that a big part of what you you did travel around? I, I traveled. I traveled internationally and, and spoke at uh, autism conferences. Uh, throughout the 90s, a little bit into the 2000s. Wow. 
That's inspiring. I love that. So would that get, would you be nervous presenting, you know, internationally? That's something I've always wanted to do, but I have three kids. So I feel like it's always hard for me to travel and do speeches, but was that something that was, it was exciting. Did you talk mostly about your journey kind of with autism and. <laughs> well, I, you know, that's why it started because, you know, back in the nineties, there was only four of us. It was, uh, right. Uh, it was me and uh, Donna Williams and and Sean Barron and of course Temple, and you know everybody wanted to hear our stories because they figured, well, you know, if these four made it, maybe my child can too. Right. And uh, but uh, but you know that's 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 probably the most popular talk that I've done. Mm -hmm. But the the one that I liked the most, I think, was. Uh, the the talk about you know just the basics of of autism because you've got to start somewhere and uh, you know especially the new parents need a a, a place to start and uh, you know I've always been more about you know education and awareness than you know this is my story this is my song but mm -hmm. you know I've done a little I've done some of both yeah. Well, that's amazing to be able to share that because I know, so I've been in the field 20 years. So I've been a speech therapist for 20 years. I got my master's at Kent State here locally. And then I've been a speech therapist and a board certified behavior analyst for 10 of those years. And um, I just know when I started giving talks about 10 years ago, I would just mentioned the incidence rate, which was 201 in 252 or something 10 years ago. Now it's one in 44. And then, you know, I used to say it was four to one boys diagnosed, but now a lot of people think that girls just kind of go, you know, undiagnosed and less diagnosed and things like that. So you've probably seen so much of the field change, you know, since you've been doing advocacy and helping families and um, just with the the incidence rate changing and kind of the climate of, of the autism community. But, yeah, when I started, I think it was something like uh, one in 15, 20,000, something like that. Wow, and uh, you know, like you like you say, it's definitely changed. Yeah, and uh, I could tell you back then, none of us saw this coming. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we back then, you know, we just we were totally oblivious. We had no idea this was going to happen. Right. Yeah. It's definitely yeah changed. So tell me a little bit about your your book. Soon will come the light. When did when did you write the book? Oh, How did that uh, work into, uh, you know, oh, nice, you have it. That's very, I, I, I would love I to do. write a I book. Have, uh, I have the book here. And nice. there's, even, uh, there's even a Japanese translation. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Was that one of the places that you talked was Japan? I never made it to Japan. I'm not really sure how this happened. I don't remember them talking to me about it. Right. But, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool that, that it happened. And there's also uh, this out of print is equal light on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, the way the book happened was uh, it kind of by accident. It was in a way it was published before it was written because, uh, you know, the publisher came to me and said, mm. uh, write this and I'll publish it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was I I, I got the attention of uh, Mira Rothenberg, a psychologist who is out of New York. I don't think she's with us any longer, okay. unfortunately. And uh, she she asked me to write my story for her, so I wrote it down and sent it to her, and somehow it leaked and got out into the community, yeah. and they were 
all reading it and sharing it. And uh, Wayne over there at Future Horizons saw an opportunity and said, uh, you know, change this a little bit, make it a book for the masses and I'll publish it. It It was the first book published by Future Horizons. Okay. Yeah. I think I, that is a familiar, that company sounds familiar to me. So, so is that how then you segued? So I know you said that you were on Oprah, which is so amazing just to be able to get, you know, your, your message in front of so many people. So did you write the book and then, and then you were on Oprah or how did that, how did that work? My understanding, um, Wayne's no longer with us either. So I can't verify this, but I think I remember him telling me once uh, that when the book was published, he sent it out to uh, the talk shows, and uh, a few of them expressed an interest. One of them was Oprah, and uh, eight years later, um, <laughs> she she uh, she had me on. One of her producers, I think, if I remember right, had a had a nephew with autism and oh. was looking over a list and said, "Hey, how about this guy?" Yeah, and she said, okay. Wow, that is amazing. And then you said you saw I, in your bio, it said then after you were on Oprah, you saw kind of an increase in book sales and, and things like that. Oh, every everything they say about Oprah and book sales is true. <laughs> yes. It reached it reached the number three bestseller on Amazon for just a wow. tiny little short time, just a yeah. few hours. Oh my gosh. What a great feeling though, to have that information, especially when it seemed like, you know, so long ago, there wasn't a lot of information about autism. Now I feel like it's almost like there's so much information that is probably hard for parents to kind of navigate how to support their child. And, you know, now, cause there's podcasts and there's social media and there's, you know what I mean? Probably back then we didn't have as many options for parents. They probably were. And yeah. There weren't as many options or medications or therapies or uh, the living arrangements or whatever, as mm-hmm. there are now, it was, it was completely different. Yeah. So I know that you were instrumental in um, maybe, you know, could you talk to us about, you know, how autism awareness came up, how that, how you were kind of a part of that. And then also, I would love to talk with you about the puzzle piece because there's a lot of division in the autism community right now. And it's just, oh, it's really painful, really, you know, because I, I have really the past 20 years tried to help support autistic individuals, you know, and I specialize in helping people in the area of communication. And there's just such a divide between, you know, I use this methodology, I use this methodology, or, you know, I like the puzzle piece. Well, I don't like what it represents. So that's kind of, I'm excited to have you on because I wanted people to hear your message because you were one of the people that was kind of instrumental in in helping to create that, right? Uh, I was. uh, To answer your questions in order, the awareness came about, I guess, uh, you know, I've mentioned this before, the four of us in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, up until, up until, you know, us, you know, was, I, I think it was guesswork. It was the doctors and the psychologists, um, you know, observing and, and guessing. And then the four of us came along and said, well, you know, this is my experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of it matched, some of it didn't, because you know the four of us are different, and that's okay. But I think it, I think it started. Um, 
I think it started creating awareness and a, a, a deeper knowledge of what autism actually is. Mm-hmm. And that goes with what you were saying earlier about, you know, sharing sharing our stories and, and things like that, you know, at the conferences. Yeah, absolutely. Talking to the, talking to the professionals and the researchers and, and things like that. So how did how did the autism puzzle piece kind of come about or you know what was the idea behind it what what was it initially going to represent or I would love to hear kind of what you you had all discussed you know when it was kind of created uh, well it was it was many years ago it was 1999 <laughs> and my memory's a little hazy but there are <laughs> things I do remember uh the puzzle piece came about with the uh, National Board of Directors of the Autism Society of America at that time, and uh, which means that I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Dumb luck. <laughs> and uh, we were asked by, I'm not sure who, whoever it was that's in charge of these things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we need a symbol for autism, you know, build it, create it for us. And so we put together this puzzle piece. Now we were aware of the other one, which is why there's division over it. The first one, which came from uh, 63 over there in the UK, it was oh. a single puzzle piece with the crying child in it. Oh, and, I haven't seen that. Okay. And, uh, you know, we, we understood that time had passed and we knew more about autism now than we did then. And, you know, the reason that the the symbol was hopeless back then in 63 is because autism itself was pretty hopeless back then. Nobody knew anything about it or how to help these kids. And they were all just putting them in these institutions, put put them in the institution, forget about them because there's nothing you can do. And of course, as you know, things have changed. They need to change further, but they have changed. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, so we're on our way, mm-hmm. but we we felt it was a little more positive in the yeah. '90s, and so we we wanted to do something with the puzzle piece to make it a little more positive. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with these interlocking, uh, the multicolored puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can I can tell you what they do represent because I was there. I voted on it. I can tell you what that thing really means because there seems to be some uh, controversy over that as you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, There's there's three things, as I recall, there's three, there's three, there's three, there's three, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Objects of symbolism, I guess, in a puzzle piece. One of them is the the pieces themselves, uh, the interlocking pieces, which you know represents the the puzzle of of autism. We're not saying, as some suggest, that people with autism are a puzzle. We're not saying that they're missing pieces. We never, never that never once came up. Right. You know, we were going for something a little more positive. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, in 99 and even today in 2022 there's still a lot that we don't know about this yeah and there's still a lot that we're trying to figure out and there's still a lot that's a puzzle you know for you and me that's job security but uh 
you know, I would I would be glad to be out of work if we figured this thing out. Yeah, I would I definitely be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we were we were we were showing the reality, dark as it was and as it is, mm-hmm. that autism is a is something that we still need to work on and need to need to figure out mm-hmm. the the colors the the red the yellow and the blue the the different colors the puzzle pieces those represent the diversity mm. of autism you've got your higher functioning ones so mm-hmm. people out there with phds living independently mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know being married and having kids and you know, living the American dream. And then mm-hmm. you've got the the nonverbal ones rocking in the corners in the institution, banging their heads against the wall. And you've got mm-hmm. everyone in between. Right. There's a huge, huge diversity of autism. And that's what the colors represent. Mm. And the brightness of the colors represents hope. Hope that one day we'll we'll get to the bottom of this and 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 find some way to um you know improve the quality of life for the for the kids and the adults and the families i love that's what the that's what the that's what the the symbol represents yeah thank you for sharing that yeah because i you know i mean i had puzzle piece you know magnets on my cars back in the you know because i've been doing this 20 years so all the things and i feel like it's yeah, there's, nice. there's one over here on my refrigerator <laughs> probably the same one you've got on the right. car yeah i mean it's just nice to hear it from somebody who was there because i think that's what happens with I spend so much time online, you know, Instagram and you know, Facebook and everything and I think people that maybe don't understand the creation story, you know, of of what the puzzle piece was meant to represent. So I really appreciate you you sharing that because I think that sheds a lot of light on it because here I am. I've been doing this 20 years, you know, it's my life's work to help support autistic individuals in the area of communication and I really didn't know the creation story of it. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, we were we were trying to create a, a, a symbol of hope and respect. And we were trying to uh, turn the, the negative puzzle piece into something a little more positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like it. I love I love hearing more about that. Um, and I guess, you know, one of the last questions I have is, you know, what advice do you have for professionals who or individuals who have differing viewpoints on how to help, you know, autistic individuals? I feel like there's so much division in the autism community that, especially with applied behavior analysis, I am a BCBA, you know, so I don't know. I feel like it's people are very, I do this to help autistic individuals. So I don't like to talk to these people because. <laughs> They work with autistic individuals, but they think something different. And I just didn't know if you had any kind of words of wisdom for people that we both want to help. Everybody wants to help, but we're going about it different ways. And it can just cause so much not positivity, you know, it can cause a lot of negativity. Um, And I didn't know if you had any feedback on or words of wisdom on how we can, you know, collaborate more peacefully. Going about it, and in, and in, and in, in, as you were saying just a moment ago, going about helping uh, 
these others in different ways is not a bad thing. Right. The, the colors of the puzzle piece, the, the diversity of autism, you know, one thing's not going to work for everybody. And ABA is not going to work for everybody. I've seen it succeed and I've seen it fail. And I'm sure you have too over mm -hmm. the course of your 20 years. And when that doesn't work, you try something else and that's okay. Right. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just that for whatever reason, that particular, whatever you're doing is not right for that particular individual. So you try something else, you know, and, and it's, it's not it's not good it's not bad it's just um it's it's just diversity and you know i i think one of the things that we we need to do is uh understand that that all of us are different you know stephen shore's quote about meeting yes. one person with autism um you know none of us are the same and that's what makes autism a fascinating and at times definitely somewhat an annoying disorder i mean you can't it's it's not like it's not like say diabetes you know you give someone insulin and say here you go mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's more complicated than that right and and you have to you have to kind of get to know the person to know what's going to work for them Mm -hmm. And sometimes even then you can't figure it out, you know, but, but all of us are different. All of us are different and all of us are going to, to respond differently to different things. And one of the ways that we, you know, resolve these differences, I think is just to understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yes. I use Stephen Shore's quote all the time. I do a lot of presenting and a lot of training about communication and autism. And so I was actually talking with him on LinkedIn. I'm going to try to get him on the podcast. I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I use that quote all the time. If you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. And I think that's so, so very true. Just taking time to get to know our students and their families and how we can be a source of support and trying to have ongoing communication and yeah, I think that that is that's really good. Such good information. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll I'll put in a good us. word for you, Steve. Okay, I'll, thank you. See if, I can, yes. see if yes. I can get him on here for you. Yes, yeah, a virtual introduction. I would love that. Um, any any other strategies or any other final words that you might want to share, um, with parents specifically that might be you know, getting a diagnosis of autism or, you know, I know that can be overwhelming and we have some parents that listen to the podcast. Any advice for parents that um, might be kind of on this autism journey in, in the initial stages? I get that question a lot um, and I can answer it. Okay. <laughs> um, the, my own belief here is... Um, uh, what I tell parents is is uh, I have a little list of four four things to do. Uh, first, first of course, go to the library and um, get some books. Be careful about the dates because if you because we're learning more about this all the time. And uh, you know, if you get a, a book that's too old, then you may end up doing more harm than than you're doing than than doing good. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, you know, biographies never go out of style, which means one of my one of my books is still good and <laughs> one isn't because they're old. Um, and uh, so, you know, 
read and learn, learn what this is. And uh, second, uh, second would be to uh, find a support group in your area. Uh, not all areas have one, mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, if you could, you can check with the Autism Society of America. They have a lot of uh, local support groups around the country. You can mm-hmm. check on the ASA website. I think it's autismsociety.org, if I remember. And, uh, you know, attend the support groups because, you know, whatever you're going through, there's uh, there's a chance that one of those other parents or one or more of them has gone through it already and they can help you out. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, parents are willing to parents are willing to help the new parents because they were new parents once themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing sort of related to that would be to attend conferences. I'm not. Uh, doing much speaking anymore. I do get out there on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, attend conferences, get the latest information. Uh, you know, attend the presentations, uh, talk to people, and network between the presentations, mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, then the last thing, the last thing would be uh, to find an occupational therapist, mm-hmm. uh, preferably someone trained and certified in. Uh, okay, it's not sensory integration disorder anymore, is it? It's uh, oh, sensory processing disorder. Okay. They're calling okay. it now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I see if you can find someone trained and certified in sensory processing disorder and uh, have your child evaluated and treated. And if those four things, with those four things, uh, I I think they'll they'll kind of lead you into what to do next, which may include. ABA and or speech therapy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Every Everybody's supports are different. Well, thank you so much. Th- that's great information. It was amazing to hear your journey and, and how much you've advocated for, you know, autistic individuals and been a source of support. So thank you so much for coming on, Thomas. It was nice to meet you. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.